Coming up on Chasing the Natty, who are the top players in CFF this year? Which position runs the deepest? Is it true that only one Alabama player was drafted? And is Shador Sanders really a sixth round pick in CFF 2023? We're going to answer all of these questions today as we take a deep dive into the first <coughs> mock draft of the CFF season, going round by round, identifying the trends we see, the best players at certain values, and maybe even roast a pick or two. On top of everything else, Nate Marquise returns to help us out with it all. All this and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Marvin. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. If you want to support what we are doing over here at CTN, make sure you go over and subscribe to campusacanton.com where we have all of our written content, tools, everything you need for your CFF, C2C, and Devi fantasy needs. Got a ton of stuff coming your way this offseason, so make sure you are there to check all of that out. If you want to follow myself on Twitter, I'm at CFF underscore Jared. I have a goal of getting to 2,000 followers in the near future, so let's go ahead and help me out with that. As well as you can follow the show's account on Twitter at Chasing the Natty. We're hoping to get that one to 500 followers in the near future as well. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And we have a goal of hitting about 1,000 subscribers by the start of the season, so let's make that happen, y'all. And if you're listening to this on podcast, go ahead and follow us and leave those five-star reviews wherever you can. Joining us today, he's back. It is Mr. Nate Marquise, the wonderful CFF analyst we have over here at Campus of Canton. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? How's the hiatus been? Uh, I'm great, man. It's uh, it's good to be back on with you. It, yeah, it's been about, what, a two-month hiatus here. So a um, little, little break time for some R&R, recharged the batteries a little bit, uh, hung out with family and, uh, and, and did that whole thing. So uh, it's been uh, it's been nice, but it's also really nice to get um, back on the horn with you, man. I'm excited to break down this uh, this mock draft. I will say I am I am disappointed in one thing from you. What is that? Jerry. Oh, we I, after a two month hiatus, I expected like some walk up bumper music whenever you introduced me, like Return, <laughs> of, Return of the Mac or um, you know, something like that. I think there was a Marshall Mathers song that's uh, you know, about him returning, something like that. I was hoping for a little a, a little warm-up music there to to kind of break me back into this thing, but I'm I'm ready to go either way. Well, I'll I'll have to I'll have to check with our department, see what kind of copyrighted music we have. <laughs> in the near future for for next time but like nate said we got a we got the way too early cff mock draft that we will be breaking down for you guys today if you haven't already go check out the special that we released just last week uh that includes anal analysis from 12 different cff analysts that predict that participated in the draft every one of them kind of gives their thoughts on the overall field their teams what they liked what they didn't like so 
if you don't want to hear from just me, you have 12 different guys to hear it from and you can figure out who you like and what else. Yeah, with that being said, again, pretty much already got the spiel out of the way. Um, I do want to run through, before we get into this draft, just a few reminders of what happened during this mock draft, some of the roster constraints, things like that. This mock draft only contained nine rounds because, again, it's early on in the offseason. A lot of us, even though we are degenerates and we live, breathe, and eat this stuff, we haven't really gotten into a lot of our rankings so deeply that going past nine rounds was really, at this point, worth it. We'll get some deeper drafts going here in the near future. But this was to give us a basic idea of some of the top guys this year. Every team was required to draft two quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and then you could have one flex option, whether that is a running back, wide receiver, or a tight end. And if this doesn't super matter to me when it comes to CFF drafts, but if you want to know, we did kind of place some boundaries of assuming that this was half PPR and assuming five-point passing touchdowns just to kind of get those in-between options to cover all the different leagues here. Uh, but Nate, I'll ask you before we dive into this, uh, you have you don't have anything on the screen yet. You haven't really dived too deeply into this mock draft. You've heard some whispers and rumors and stuff like that. It's kind of like a Marvel movie. It's like when the Marvel movies comes out, you can avoid spoilers all you want, but you, you, you pick up on some things here and there. But before we get into it, what's your overall feel of the field this year? And what are you kind of expecting here? Well, when you asked me to come on uh, to kind of break down this draft, at, at first I was like, you know what, okay, I, I didn't take place in this mock draft. It's really early, um, so I should probably cut, you know, these guys some slack and, and, and not <laughs> hammer on them too hard. And then I was like, you know what, no, that's terrible content. That I, I want something, I'm not going to come in here with uh, Pace Picani Salsa. I want to give uh, some flaming uh, hot takes here. So I was like, you know what, I'm friends with most of the guys. Yeah. Uh, in this group, I don't think anybody's going to uh, leave you a one-star review if I, uh, if I flame <laughs> them for one of their choices. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'll take the kitty gloves off and we'll come on strong here. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's a it's a good group, well-rounded, uh, you know, guys that have uh, been doing this for a while. And it's, you know, we're talking about drafting in January, so you're yep. really just kind of taking your shots and and... And in the end, you just kind of hope that a lot of these guys uh, are, you know, on the teams you expected, <laughs> don't have injuries, yeah. you know, all of those types of things. Coaching changes are, are still happening uh, literally every, you know, every week here. So who knows what happens with a lot of the value of some of these guys. I was say, shoot, we're still waiting on Miami and Notre Dame to figure out what they're going to do at offensive coordinator. Yeah, um, that, that reminds me, I probably should run through some of the guys who participated in this draft. Uh, Eric Froton from NBC Sports says, J.D. Yonke from Debbie Watch, uh, Farnsworth from the Ankle Biters podcast, uh, Justin Heisey from Insider CFF, myself and Chris Moxley from Campus of Canton, we were in this, Matt Hicks from the Rookie Big Board, Nicholas Ian Allen from CFB Winning Edge, Matt, uh, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar, uh, Chris K, also from Campus Scan, but also the BTR podcast, and also the newest faces of the CFF industry, I would say. Uh, the the duo from CFF List on Twitter. Go check out all of their content. Uh, Nate, you kind, of, you kind of also reminded me of one thing I kind of want to discuss as we go throughout this, is that, again, we're early on. This is, like you said, a lot of guys are just kind of putting their shots out there. Uh, a lot of these guys' value is going to change 
pretty quickly because there's going to be some pretty big reaches, I would say, in this mock draft. And I'm curious to see like what your thoughts are on some of the guys I've kind of written down as how sticky the value that they're given in this draft is going to be. Do you see them dropping? Do you see them getting raised? So with that being said, we'll get right on into it. Each round, I am going to run through each of the players that were taken in the draft. Like I said, we're doing round by round, so you'll have to focus on 12 players at a time here. And it'll give Nate some time to kind of figure out what he thinks of the overall round in general. So let's go ahead and get into round one, the cream of the crop this year. Number one, Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC, followed by Drake May, quarterback out of UNC. Then your first running back off the board, Quinshawn Judkins, running back out of Ole Miss, uh, followed by the first wide receiver off the board, Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of o Ohio State. After that, Bo Nix, quarterback out of Oregon, followed by Malachi Corley, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky, followed by Rasheen Ali, running back out of Marshall, uh, which is followed by Austin Reed, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky. Then you have Frank Harris, the quarterback out of UTSA. Then Braylon Allen, the running back out of Wisconsin, followed by Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback out of Washington. And we finish up the round with our second wide receiver from Ohio State, Emeka Egbuka. So, Nate, initial thoughts on this round one crop of players. What do you like? What do you not like? Well, just looking at it here initially, it's, it's it just reminds me of how much coaching um, change we've had, to, so much coaching turnover. We're four out of the six quarterbacks that I'm seeing in this that were taken in this first round have a new offensive coordinator. Yes, sir. Um, both of what well, both all three of the wide receivers taken technically have a new offensive coordinator. There's a new play caller uh, for Ohio State this year. Uh, not really new uh, in that sense, but uh, he's because he's been there, but still. A lot of a lot of coaching turnover. Probably the one thing that stands out to me uh, that I that I don't love. We'll, we'll start there. It would be probably Drake May being the the second overall player, number two QB off the board. Um, I'm in the process of really digging deep into some of the coaching changes that have taken place. I I gotta say I, I've I've gone through about five or six conferences so far. My least favorite coaching hire, offensive coaching hire is North Carolina hiring Lindsay. I, I I think it's it's a it's an awful hire. Um I don't love it for Drake May. I also don't love the fact that uh he's breaking in a, a lot of new wide receivers, some new faces there, Downs, Green, both gone. Uh yep. obviously they're getting some guys in. Uh Tez John uh, Tez uh, Walker, one of my favorites, but uh, still, I, I think it's a downgrade there a little bit at wide receiver. So that's probably the one that stands out to me as far as maybe of this group, one of the bigger reaches. Um, what are your thoughts? So this is something I'm going to talk about throughout this draft, and that is the quarterback class is very deep. Like we clearly have a top tier here. Like I don't, I don't remember the last time we've had a season where we can expect five, six quarterbacks going off in the first round. Typically you get you like one or two guys and then the rest is running backs and sprinkle in a few wide receivers here. Very, very heavy quarterback here in the first round. I imagine some of these guys, like you mentioned, who are getting new offensive coordinators, probably going to slide a little bit into the second round. Cause I think a lot of the guys that you see later in where we get to the seventh, eighth round, I think those guys are going to move up a little bit because at one point during the draft, you're going to see there's a, very little quarterbacks being taken in the mid-range, like the three, four, five-round range. 
I think that that's going to kind of, I think you're going to see some guys slide down, some guys slide up, kind of fill in that gap right there. That's what kind of sticks out to me is that I don't think all these guys are going to stick in the first round, but guys like Caleb Williams, Austin Reed, as much as you may not like Drake May in the new offensive coordinator hire, I think he's going to be a guy that sticks in the first round. We right. will definitely see. Malachi Corley was somebody who was taken in the first round uh, in an exercise by the BTR podcast about like two, three months ago before the season even ended. He was being taken in the first round there, got taken the first round again here. I wasn't so I kind of bought into that at first. I was like, man, that, that feels like that's kind of a bit of a projection. But overall, I'm not a big fan of how deep this wide receiver class is this year. I think there's a lot of top-heavy options and then a lot of speculation afterwards. So I've kind of moved myself to the point where I really like getting Malachi Corley in the first round. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, he's he's actually the number one uh, ranked wide receiver uh, for me in my in my really really early rankings here. I, I prefer him. I think him and Marvin Harrison Jr. Are kind of in a tier by themselves. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a drop there between uh, Egbuka, some of the UTSA wide receivers, some of the Washington wide receivers. So, uh, yeah, I have no problems if you take Corley in the first round. Again, another guy that's that's got a new offensive coordinator. So yep. we'll be curious to see what the changes are there. A um, couple of things that stood out to me here. Obviously, I'm an I'm a unabashed Caleb Williams fanboy. Um, I've, I've been that way for a long time since since he uh, uh, was a freshman. So just keep in mind, this he's the only guy on this list here that has two buys and does not play during the championship week because of week zero. So um, just know if you're investing the, the number one overall pick, I, I certainly won't blame you if you do, uh, but you're not getting him for the for the championship week if you make it that far. So just something to keep in mind. So I talked to the person who made this pick at the 101 after we got news that USC wouldn't be playing in week 13. I said, would you have changed your pick? I DM'd him afterwards and he said, no, not at all. Because yeah. like, let's be real, this is going to be the guy that gets you to the championship. And if you have a championship roster, you're going to have a third quarterback option that's that you're going to be able to plug in and play. If you don't, then quite frankly, you don't deserve to win the championship at that point anyway. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I, I love, I love Frank Harris at, at the one Oh nine right here. He's, he's somebody that I, I think I've actually moved up to number two in my QB rankings behind Caleb. I, I just, I mean, all the, all the weapons that he's got back, yeah, he's got a new offensive coordinator as well, but he, they they promoted from within. Same thing they've done for the last two offensive coordinators. So love, love that. Yeah, as love long as pick. Jeff Trailer's there, he's going to be just fine. One more pick I'll talk about here. And again, we're spending a little long in the first round, but it's the first round. These are going to be the most important guys here. Uh, Braylon Allen, running back out of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Very interesting pick there because if this was a normal off or season with Wisconsin, like, yeah, heck yeah, Wisconsin running back, let's do it. You're bringing in Phil Longo. Obviously, he's had great running backs, CFF running backs in the past, but he's it's not quite the hand the ball off to the same guy 25, 30 times in a game kind of offense. Considering some of the running back options we're going to see here later, do you, I don't really buy getting Braylon Allen as a first-round guy. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I've kind of changed some of my um, how I view the first round and that I want to take almost like the least risky selection I can take. Give me a guy that is for sure going to finish, um, you know, top 10 in his position. And I'm pretty yep. happy with that. And there's definitely some risk now with Braylon Allen because I think it's likely we see his volume decrease. So in order for him 
to produce at the at the level he has been, we need to see his efficiency increase. He's not really proven that he's a pass catcher. Um, and True. it is it is a system with Phil Longo that does utilize uh, the running back out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So uh, if he can improve in that area, then then that will help with his efficiency. But I, I am with you. I, I have some concerns if I were to take him that early because there is some risk involved there. I will say a point in favor of him on efficiency is that with Phil Longo, they're going to be passing the ball a whole lot more than we typically have. They have a much better quarterback in Tanner Mordecai than they've had. He's not going to be facing those nine-man boxes consistently, oh, yeah. so he should be able to break a few more big runs than we've been typically used to. Yeah, he'll have increased scoring opportunities. They're going to move the ball a lot better than they have. It's just it's just a volume thing. Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right, let's go to round two. And this round starts off with Blake Corb running back out of Michigan, followed by Will Shipley, the running back out of Clemson. After that, you got Travion Henderson, the running back out of Ohio State, followed by Raheem Sanders, the running back out of Arkansas State. By the way, you guys definitely should be watching the YouTube product of this show because Nate's face that he gave just now on one of those names was absolutely great. <laughs> With the fifth pick in the second round, Roma Dunze, the wide receiver out of Washington, was taken, followed by Tyler Shuck, the quarterback out of Texas Tech. Second half of the round, you got Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas, followed by Damian Martinez, the running back out of Oregon State. After that, you got Trey Benson, the running back out of Florida State, followed by Torrey Horton, the wide receiver out of Colorado State. And you finish up the round with two running backs in Jermaine Brown Jr., the running back out of UAB, and Nicholas Singleton, the running back out of Penn State. Nate, start us off, sir. What are your initial thoughts, good and bad, on this round? Let's start uh, with with something that I like. I I love the Raheem Sanders pick here. Uh, this puts I him know. as what this puts him as what like RB six or seven at this point. Seven, I believe. So, okay, yeah. So I I like that. I think um, he he's a top five running back for me. Um, I, I know there's some coaching changes there as well. That seems to be kind of the theme here. Every everybody's had a new offensive coordinator. It seems like, but um, I'm confident in his ability. I uh, I still like. Um, Danny knows as far as being able to use the running back. We saw Roman Hemby last year uh, and what he's done at Arkansas in the past as their previous offensive coordinator. So that, that was one that stood out to me that I really liked. Um, two that stood out to me that, um, that probably was what I was looking at whenever you saw me making that face. Well, my eyes were just kind of drawn to Tyler Shuck here because he's the only quarterback in this, uh, in this round. Uh, while I don't disagree with it, I was a little surprised that he went this early. Um, I thought maybe I was the only one that kind of had him inside that top 10, but this puts him right around, I guess, QB seven uh, yes, that was drafted here. So uh, that was a little, that was a little surprise to me um, just because he does still have Baron Morton there behind him. So mm -hmm. he needs, he needs to perform well in order to maintain that job, but they, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly off the top of my head what their non-con is, but this is just a mock draft. So we're not going to worry too much about scheduling and, and that type of thing, but that one stood yeah. out. Uh, Jermaine Brown, simply too high for me. Um, I know you and I have talked about Jermaine Brown Jr. at uh, the UAB running back. He went uh, as the 11th pick in the second round here. So two, uh, two 11, 23rd overall selection. Um, I don't, that's just, that's just too high for me. Uh, again, we've there's a coaching change there. I don't trust anything about Trent Dilfer or the staff that he's hired. I don't know what his offense is going to look like. Um, that's just that's just way too high for me. 
Was that your pick? I know you loved that. Was not, that was actually not my pick. Um, okay. Surprisingly, although I, I was considering him there, I was more looking to see if I could get him in the third round, but then he went not long after I picked. Um, talk I mean, about he had a huge bowl game. I get it. There's there's definitely some, um, some, some fuel to him right now, for sure. Yeah, a- absolutely. The only thing I would be kind of concerned about is, again, he is a smaller back than like Dwayne McBride. Are, am I a little concerned about him being able to take that volume on a week-by-week basis? Yes, but at the same time, he's a much better pass catcher than Dwayne McBride ever was. So I'm hoping that they can utilize him a bit better there. Talk about Raheem Sanders. I took a running back in the first round. Again, I'm trying not to spoil like who, who I am in this draft and everything. Uh, you can go listen to the way too early to learn about that. But I was considering Raheem Sanders in the first round. So like when uh-huh. I saw that he was still available in the second round, I was getting over the moon excited about the idea that he would fall to me and become my just i could start off with two great running backs unfortunately he didn't quite make it to me so i was a little sad about that but other great values here that i saw tory horton why does he run out of colorado state even yeah. in a terrible offense last year dude just absolutely was the entire offense for colorado state at times and was still a top 20 wide receiver for cff this past year there's nowhere to go but up for that offense this year we've seen jay norvell in the mountain west can produce a good offense maybe they really needed to kind of fix some of the bugs from last year. They should be able to get going again better this year, and that can only mean good things for Torrey Horton, especially if they can get another wide receiver going. They can get some double teams off of Horton. Uh, you also talk about Tyler Shuck. He's another one of the guys that, again, I agree with you. I don't necessarily disagree with him going this high, but I think over time he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that slides into like the third round range uh, as like as quarterback kind of evens itself out throughout the mm-hmm. draft. Uh, anybody else here that I wanted to point out? Oh, Trayvon Henderson. What do you think about this, Nate? Because I'm personally avoiding the Ohio State running back room right now because I don't know what to do with it. Again, Trayvon Henderson, when healthy, clearly the best running back in that backfield, hands down. But we've seen Ryan Day, and we know for a fact that the moment Henderson gets nicked up, he's not afraid to start handing it off to somebody else. you got other great running backs there. You got Mayan Williams, who inexplicably, inexplicably came back for another season, in my opinion. Uh, you have Dallin Hayden, the freshman from this past mm-hmm. year, really came on strong when both Mayan and Travion were down. And then everybody forgets about Evan Pryor, another really good running back in that backfield that was showing out in the spring before he got injured for the entire season. So what are you doing with Travion, Nate? Because I personally feel like this is too high. I'd much rather take Raheem Sanders, much rather take Damian Martinez, much rather have Jermaine Brown, guys like that. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I I was actually going into 2022. I was fading pretty much all assets of Ohio State outside of C.J. Stroud, and um, I got I got a few uh, pieces of Marvin Harrison Jr. Outside of that, I was I was fading the rest of the of the lineup, and and I, I got pretty fortunate with that because everybody seemed to get injured. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is probably where we see him go in a lot of drafts because the talent warrants that, but the volume doesn't. Um, and and yes, I I am with you. I'm really nervous about. Ohio State guys, am I going to have to spend every Saturday morning trying to figure out what games Ryan Day is playing that day and if he feels like it is an important enough game to be able to put his best players out there? And that's that's a game I just generally don't want to play. So so drafting Travion Henderson at the at the 203 uh, isn't something you will see me doing. Um, 
but I, I get it. The talent's there. If it pays off, he's the guy that can go for 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns. That would not surprise any of us. I mean, he's he's got that kind of potential. Absolutely. Speaking of guys with insane talent, but might be going a little bit too high. One last guy we'll talk about here. Nicholas Singleton taken here at the end of the second round. Catron Allen's still there. And the unfortunate thing is that Catron Allen's the same class as Nicholas Singleton. Are we afraid that Nicholas Singleton's never going to be able to be that clear workhorse back for Penn State? Clearly might be the best the best back they have, but with Catron Allen being as talented as he is, it feels like that Singleton going this high is a little too high. What do you think, Nate? Um, no, I don't I don't I don't hate this. Again, this is this to me, this feels like discount Travion. You got him, you got him, uh, you know, like eight picks later. And um, to me, I would put those guys kind of in the same tier. I'm not sure exactly which weeks I'm going to be able to start them uh, in a season long league. Uh, so I, no, I don't hate this. His, his talents there, I think, uh, especially with um, Sean Clifford moving on, they're going to depend on the ground game a little bit more, especially early in the season. So I could I could see a world in which Singleton and Catron Allen are both pretty viable fantasy options. And see, I was looking at Singleton had the number one uh, breakaway percentage of any running back in the country uh, as a true freshman. I mean, yep. the, talent, the talent is just incredible. So if you want to bet on that talent, uh, I don't have a problem with it. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on to the third round here. Starting off, we got... Uh, two wide receivers here. Zachary Franklin, the wide receiver at a UTSA, comes off the board, followed by Devontae Walker, the wide receiver uh, from Kent State, going to North Carolina. This is followed by Kavorian Barnes, the running back at a UTSA. And then we have our first tight end off the board with Brock Bowers out of Georgia, followed by Jalen McMillan, the other wide receiver out of Washington. This is followed by the second tight end off the board, Brant Keithy, the tight end out of Utah. And then the second half of the round here, we have Dorian Singer, the wide receiver out of USC. And then you have Carson Steele, the running back out of UCLA, transferring over from Ball State. Uh, after that, you got Devin Neal, the running back out of Kansas State, followed by Cade Klubnick, the quarterback out of Clemson. And you finish up the round with two running backs in Ramon Davis, the running back at Kentucky, coming over from Vanderbilt. And then you have George Halani, the running back out of Boise state nate what do you like what do you not like man there, there's a lot to digest with this uh this round things kind of went things got real wild here in round three um i'll just i'll just kind of run down uh, a, a few things here that kind of stood out to me um zakari franklin obviously really good value uh for him here i think he's uh he's a top five wide receiver and we know as as you've mentioned there's potential for the wide receiver group in this in in this year to not be as deep so being able to get him in the third round would be really nice in a yes, draft sir. uh brent keithy sorry i love brent keithy uh, he's my he's my tight end too um i can't i can't take him this early um that's a little too early for me um dorian singer this is too early for me Devin Neal, this is too early for me. <laughs> I'm going to yep. have to have some guys in the next couple rounds that I think are are really good value to make up for all these guys that I think are going too late. Uh, Cade Klubnik, wow, this is this is interesting because he's, I guess, QB8 uh, off the board here. In yes, this sir. Draft, um, which I, I am putting out a um, pre-spring uh, stock up report, and Clay, Cade Klubnik will certainly find his way onto that report. So somebody else thinks like me that uh, that they think his value has gone up. This is a little bit 
higher than even what I expected. This must, I hope this is Justin Heisey to be able to take him uh, this early, but um, <laughs> it is not. Oh man. So somebody likes him even more than, than Heisey and I. So that's interesting. Um, and I'll be honest, man, Ramon Davis and George Halani, all I, it's like, I would say probably two thirds of this uh, round. I think we're all maybe a little bit higher than what I would be comfortable uh, taking some of these guys. If it makes you feel better, Nate, I feel very much the same way. There was a lot of guys who are very high up in my rankings following into this round. And I saw a lot of these guys coming off the board like uh, Carson Seal, Devin Neal, uh, George Halani, Dorian Singer. Again, all good players. Don't get me wrong. I understand why each of them were picked, but it just made me more and more excited every time that one of them came off because that meant guys that were much higher on my list were going to fall to me in the fourth round. I felt very good in this round. Um, but again, a lot of very speculative picks here. Again, Carson Steele, I'm not sold that yet that he will be the number one guy at UCLA. They do seem to like TJ Harden quite a bit there. Uh, Keegan Jones is still there as well. I don't know for a fact that Carson Steele, again, I get that he's probably the most projectable given his workload he had at Ball State, but I'm not quite there yet to pick him up in the third round. Nate, you love Devontae Walker. Yeah, he is I the do. first UNC wide receiver to come off the board. I'm telling you right now, he is by far not the last that comes off in this draft. Sure. Do you think yeah. it's worth taking him this high given that other guys are going to be available later? Um, what Do you know exactly what wide receiver this would be off the board? Is this it should be like wide receiver eight or nine, I'm guessing, as far as where we're at? That is wide receiver eight. Eight, okay. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably higher. I think I have him currently, and, and obviously it's, it's February, so it's crazy. But I, I currently have him ranked, I want to say right around wide receiver 16. Um, so not, not, I, Probably not a guy I'm super comfortable to take quite this early. I get it. Um, if if he's your guy, I do think he is the wide receiver one there. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, but yeah, probably not taking him quite this early. I think this is so a couple things that that we're seeing here. You're going to see a lot of um, you know a lot of speculative speculative picks being being had in in this area because one, it's a super early mock draft, True. and two. And two, it's just, it's the nature of college football right now. All of this um, player mobility has changed a lot. And so you're having to kind of project a lot when everybody uh, is going to new teams or mm -hmm. everybody has a new coaching staff that they are, that they're working with now. So yeah, I, I, I get it. There's a lot of, a lot of projecting and, and Devontae Walker is definitely one of them. See, again, when you when I see a lot of guys coming off the board that are kind of speculative, it definitely draws me more to guys that I feel like are known quantities. So, like, again, my favorite picks in this round, probably Zakari Franklin. Uh, Kavori Bars I like, but I can admit that's a bit more of a speculative pick considering it was just based on what he did in the second half of the season. We don't know what he looks like over a full season. Uh, but, again, I disagree with you a little bit. I think Brock Bowers and Brent Keithy are both good values in this round. If you think you, so? You think this is a good spot for Brent Keithy? I think so. Again, he was a tight end one before he got injured last year. Like before he, yeah, before, but that was like three games. That was like three games. But even still, we saw what Dalton Kincaid did the entire rest of the year. And I'm not saying he would have gotten exactly those numbers, but again, he right. clearly was the top option for Utah. And then they just funneled whatever they would have done with him over to Dalton Kincaid, uh, and then some. Because again, Dalton Kincaid is talented in his own right. 
But again, Keith, they came back for a reason. I think they're going to absolutely utilize him once again. Cam Rising's back. No real worry about chemistry there. Maybe I would have. I would probably not have taken him two picks after Brock Bowers. But like, I'm not going to hate on anybody that takes him in the third, fourth round range. I think there's these are the clear top two tight ends for this year. And then after that, it gets a lot more speculative very quickly. Um, again, I the, think if go ahead. I was just going to say, I think if we, just based off when this draft took place in January, if we'd have had a little bit more concrete word on what the heck Zakari Franklin was doing, I can't imagine he would have fallen into this group. I think he no. probably would have gone earlier. He he would have easily been a second-round pick, in my, yeah. in my opinion, if not a first-round, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Halani's interesting. Uh, whenever you get Genty coming coming back there, uh, and and they, you know, that's a staff that that wants to run the ball a lot, but they've also got a quarterback that runs the ball now. So um I just wonder is if if there's actually enough volume to go around for him to warrant this uh this level of a selection. Yeah, because again, like Halani, I, I went back and looked, and like, yeah, when he's the number one guy for Boise State, yeah, he's going to get 100 yards, he's going to get a touchdown, that's pretty much what you get out of him every single game, and it is a great feeling. But again, I am worried about GNT, I definitely would have taken him a little bit later. Um, Dorian Singer, the wide receiver out of USC, first USC wide, wide receiver to come off the board here. Uh, kind of similar question with Devontae Walker, Nate. Are you taking Singer here in the third round, or are you going to take a guy like Taj Washington, Mario Williams, Brennan Rice in yeah. later rounds? Yeah, uh, and I, I, yeah, Singer goes at the 307, Devontae Walker at the 302. I get um, some of the similarities that you see there uh, between those two, changing, uh, changing uh, to, you know, transfer, transferring over to the new team. Um, I'm like I said, I this is probably a little early for me on Singer. I I don't I definitely don't mind somebody taking a stab at that lead USC wide receiver and 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 if I were to choose one, I think it would be Singer. But um, I also think that there's a pretty good chance that we see a, a number of guys get uh get some some action there and that ball spread around a little bit for USC. Yep. All right. Let's go ahead and get on to round four here. Starting off in round four, Jacob Cowling, the wide receiver out of Arizona, followed by Matthew Golden, wide receiver out of Houston, which is then followed by Quinn Ewers, the quarterback out of Texas. You got two more wide receivers here. Troy Franklin, the wide receiver out of Oregon, followed by Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver from Louisville, transferring in over from Georgia State. After that, you got Aiden Robbins, the running back out of BYU, coming over from UNLV, followed by Frank Gore, the running back out of Southern Miss, Jaquindon Jackson, the running back out of Utah, and LaDamian Webb, the running back out of South Alabama. After that, you got DeCorian Clark, the wide receiver out of UTSA, followed by Marquez Cooper, the running back out of Ball State, coming in from Kent State. And then you finish up the round with CJ Donaldson, the running back from West Virginia. We did decide before this draft started whether or not we would consider CJ a tight end or a running back. And I said, just for argument's sake, we're going to keep him a running back. Yeah, that makes sense. So Nate, I can already tell there's one pick that you liked based on the smile you gave when the round first came up. So what do you like? Uh, so here, here we go. We, there's actually a, a handful of guys in this round that I really like, uh, that I think some people got some, some really nice value with, um, a couple the, the first three wide receivers that you mentioned, 401, 402 and 404, which is, uh, Jacob Cowing, Matthew Golden, Troy Frank, 
Troy Franklin. I like all three of those uh, selections. Actually, Decorian Clark, I like as well. Uh, I can, I think all all of those guys are good value here as we as we get into the fourth round. My favorite pick by far in this round is Ladamian Webb. It's not even it's not even not even close. close. He, he's a he's a top six or seven running back for me uh, to get him here uh, well after RB seven. Uh, I think it's fantastic value. Marquez Cooper. Uh, really good value as well, too. Even though he's transferring teams, um, he falls into one of my favorite landing spots, Ball State, taking Carson Steele's volume is what we can expect. And uh, he's proven even though he's small, he can handle that type of workload. So I love that. Um, I'm kind of warming up to Frank Gore. Uh, I, you know, I, he's one of those guys that had an incredible uh, bowl game, and I'm, I'm wondering how much weight we put onto that. But Taking him here at 407, I, I, I don't mind. Um, a couple that stand out to me that I don't love. Let's let's talk about those for a second. Uh Quinn Years. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Texas fans. I I I can't do him this early at 403. Can't do it. Uh I have a rule of thumb whenever I'm taking my QB1. He either he either better better be able to get me a ton in the rushing department. Or his volume better be like Mike Leach, Western Kentucky, yep. um, that type of pass volume where they're going to be throwing it all over the field. And Quinn Ewers does not fall into either one of those buckets. So um, I can't do it. Can't do it as him as my QB1. Um, Aiden Robbins is interesting at BYU, right? That's a that's a, a decent landing spot. Here's the deal, though. I don't think Aiden, Aiden Robbins is a very good running back. I don't think he is. Um, Talent-wise, I, I think he's pretty limited. I think he's going up a level in competition. They're now joining the Big 12. Um, so I have my doubts on how that's actually going to, to work out for him. Um, and they've proven that just because you transfer into BYU does not make you a good running back. We saw that last year for sure uh, when we put stock in, uh, in another transfer running back there. Yeah, Christopher so, Brooks. Yeah, yeah, those, those are probably the two that stand out the most to me. Um, Jaquin and Jackson, also probably a little bit early for my taste. Uh, I get it, though. You're you're wanting to take a stab at that Utah RB1, uh, which has been extremely fruitful uh, for CFF purposes. But um, you know me, uh, Jalen Glover, I haven't given up on you quite yet, even <laughs> though even though I was I was way too early. It's very ironic, given who made that pick. Um, I know, I know, I know who made that pick because there's only so, there's only one other guy that puts as much faith in the uh, in the Utah um, system <laughs> for running backs uh, as as I do, and I know that's Josh. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the beginning of the broadcast that I'm looking for guys here that like do I think their value sticks here, and I have a couple of guys here that I think in this round specifically their value is not sticking. They're either going down, they're going up from here. Either way, they're not staying in round four. Uh, we'll go with the negative first. Yeah, I agree with you. Quinn Ewers is not staying in round four. He's too divisive of a, of a prospect. You're going to have groups of people that either you're going to have one person who takes him really high, like here in the fourth round or the fifth round. And then you'll have some groups of people where literally every single one of them is going to be off Quinn Ewers until like you're in the tens of rounds. Like you're in like round 12, 13. And then you're willing to take a shot on the upside that maybe they pass a little bit more this year. Maybe he takes a big step forward with the wide receivers they brought in. Either way, I think ADP wise, <clears throat> excuse me, I think ADP wise, he will be dropping from the fourth round. Some guys I think are going to go up. Like Damian Webb's no way he's staying in the fourth round. He's too good of a running back, too much no volume. No I doubt. He was a guy that I was looking at for three rounds in a row 
as a potential guy I would take off the board. I was shocked when he almost made it back to me in the fourth round. Uh, he's going up. Jacob Cowing, pretty much in my opinion, maybe outside of Corian Clark, because again, you got a UTSA wide receiver there. I think he probably finishes the top tier of wide receivers. And because of that, he is going to be moving up into that third round, especially as more and more people realize they don't love the options outside of those top tier of wide receivers. Yeah. In a world of so much uncertainty, like we're seeing right yep. now, he's a certainty. And I think I, I think you're right on that. Yeah, we see him start to climb because you know what you're getting with him. And and his floor is, is definitely within the top 20 wide receiver range. But his ceiling is top five. Yeah, absolutely. One more player I'll bring up here in the fourth round I want to ask you about, Nate, because I, I kind of threw this out in the Slack about a month ago. I'm a little worried about Matthew Golden. I love the talent that Matthew Golden brings to Houston. I love the UCSA or the Houston wide receiver one, no doubt about it. I haven't seen it yet with Golden yet. He doesn't strike me as somebody who is separating from the pack. Again, he is a freshman. You give him some time, easily can pop out. But Sam Brown also came along near the end of the season. Now he's got his own problems off the field and everything like that. But yep. they're also bringing in guys through the transfer portal. Stephon Johnson Jr., the breakout wide freshman wide receiver from Oklahoma State, is now at Houston. You also have them bringing in the top wide receiver from Wyoming last year. Um, I forget. Uh, Joshua Copps. Yep. So again, clearly Houston's not quite happy with what they have in the wide receiver room. Maybe that's an indictment on Matthew Golden. Maybe it's an indictment on everybody else. What do you think about Matthew Golden? I know you said you like him here, but does that worry you at all? Well, here's here's what I do know. Uh, there are probably not any coaches that I trust more to produce wide receivers than Dana Holgerson. He has, liter I mean, legit one of the probably three best wide receiver production resumes out there for CFF. Um, and given that, and given that I think Golden is the most talented and is the best wide receiver in that room, I I just trust that those two things are going to find their way to 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 matching, and we we see that production come through. I I can see some of the concern, and and you are still projecting a little bit because while he had a decent freshman year, it wasn't like he had an Xavier Worthy type of freshman year. Um, so there's a little bit of projection there, but I I still uh, am pretty high on Matthew Golden. Yeah, the the only thing I'll add to that as well is that we did see a couple of games last year where Nathaniel Dell did not play or like didn't play a good portion of the game, and in none of those games did we really see Matthew Golden immediately step up as that clear next number one dude, which is something you would want to see, in sure. my opinion, if you want to draft him this high. But regardless, we can move on to the fifth round unless you got anybody else here, Nate, that you want to talk about. No, no. I mean, obviously, there's some interesting picks. Uh, C.J. Donaldson and, and Jamari Thrash we didn't mention, but um, again, we're 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 projecting. I don't uh, I don't hate it if you think those guys are going to be the ones that uh, are the the standout players of those rooms. So yeah. Alrighty, let's get on up to the fifth round. About halfway through the draft here, a lot of wide receivers come off the board here. Definitely starting, I think, getting this a little bit of my guyism with some picks. So let's check it out. First pick of the fifth round, Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver out of LSU, followed by Jordan Curley, the wide receiver out of SMU. 
This is followed by Jace McClellan, the running back out of Alabama, and Joe Milton, the quarterback out of Tennessee. This is followed by two running backs in Rodney Hammond, the running back out of Pitt, and Cy Bengura, the running back out of Ohio. And the second half of this round, pretty much all wide receivers except for one pick. You got Squirrel White, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, coming off at, with the seventh pick in the fifth round. After that, with the eighth pick, you have Sean Tyler, the running back out of Minnesota. Ninth pick, Antoine Wells, the wide receiver out of South Carolina, followed by Tetariah McMillan, the wide receiver out of Arizona, Devin Voison, the wide receiver out of South Alabama, and Oronde Gatson Jr., the wide receiver out of Syracuse. Nate, your initial thoughts on this round. I love the first three running backs that come off the board here. Jason God, McClellan. I love him. Yeah, yeah. Jason McClellan comes off at 503. Rodney Hammond for Pitt comes off at 505. And then, you know me, my boy, Saiban Guerra, uh, yes, 506, running back Ohio. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about it. There have been a lot of picks where we're making uh, some projections. And we're trying to make the pieces fit and hope that uh, it all works out. Those are three picks that I think you are you are going to get a good return on your investment here in the fifth round. I don't have a whole lot of concern with any of those guys because they're proven running back systems, uh, no doubt. So, and and all three of them are, are fairly talented as well too. Can't say the same for Sean Tyler um, here. While I get wanting to invest in that lead spot for Minnesota. I don't know if, if we're confident he gets that that lead spot. So I think that's probably my concern there. Uh, obviously, they wanted him because uh, he was he was committed to Oklahoma State. So um, that they they were able to pull him from Oklahoma State. A um, couple of the wide receivers are, are really liking this round. Five hundred one Malik Neighbors seems like good value. Obviously, his he 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 probably doesn't go in this range. You either get you're either drafting with somebody that thinks. Um, Nussmeyer is going to win that job or take it over at some point, and all of a sudden, neighbor's value is a lot more. Or, um, you know, he probably doesn't even produce at this level if Jaden Daniels holds on to that job the whole yep. season. So, a lot of variability in what his value actually is. Uh, Tet McMillan looks like a pretty solid investment at this point, high octane offense. And they lost their wide receiver one from last year, Dorian Singer. So uh, reasonable to think after his incredible freshman year that he's going to fill in and be a top two wide receiver for them. So those are the ones that that I liked. Jordan Curley is the one that stood out to me the most uh, as one that I, I would, uh, I personally wouldn't be comfortable taking uh, at this spot. Um, I honestly is, is he isn't he a slot receiver, Jordan Curley? Uh, I can't remember off the off the top yeah. of my head. I'll have to look that up later. Yeah, so that that's interesting. That system doesn't generally produce um, high end slot receivers. If so, uh, but I, I'm with you. I may be misremembering that. So, um, but yeah, those were some of the ones that probably stood out the most to me. Yeah, a lot of things to break down here for me in this round. I agree with you 100. Jason McClellan, Rodney Hammond, and Saban Guerra going off in this round pretty much solidifies to me that. I'm taking running backs in the round like four to five range. There's just too many great options for me to, I'd rather go hit wide receiver early where I have some guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Malachi Corley, Torrey Horton, Zachary Franklin. Like I'd rather get those guys and then get Jason McClellan here, Rodney Hammond, Saibangira, even reach for one of those guys in the fourth round and then get another one in the fifth round every single time. 
I love the running backs here, except for Sean Tyler. I'll admit, not, again, not to roast anybody here, Sean Tyler might have been my least favorite pick in this entire draft. Way too high for a 5'9", 185-pound running back that is in no way, shape, or form going to be able to take on the 30, 35 carries per game workload that a Minnesota running back is supposed to take over. When they still have Trayshawn Potts and Zach Evans in that backfield over there, they have two really good options over there. Sean Tyler, to me, is going to be what Bucky Irving was for Minnesota when Bucky Irving was over mm. there. A talented running back, but a change of pace guy they put out there on third down. He like he Bucky That's Irving. A good Bucky Irving was a guy a couple years ago that every time a Minnesota running back went down, everybody was like, all right, he's going to be the guy up. Like, Bucky's going to be the next guy up. He's going to get all the carries now. Never did because they don't want to give it to yeah. a guy that is that small. That's a great comp. I like that. So I'm not, I'm, again, Sean Tyler, absolutely not, especially since Treshawn Potts and Zach Evans, neither one of them went off in this draft. So... Yeah. Yeah, no. I like I like seeing Bazooka Joe here in yeah. round five, man. And, he was and Tennessee and, wide receivers and and Squirrel White, yeah. Bazooka Joe, he was uh, he was one. Whenever I put out my uh, um, my dynasty article uh, back in November, some dynasty guys to keep an eye on. I had Joe Milton on there, and I got a lot of pushback from that. A lot of people before Joe Milton played in that bowl game did not think he was capable of being Tennessee uh, QB one. Um, folks, we're gonna see Joe Milton as a QB one. So he's going to have to, he's going to have to lose that job before Nico. I am is the one to take it from him. I think people are way too invested in the idea of getting a player and having them start right away, especially quarterbacks. I think, I think you did this on Twitter at one point where you asked like, what were the freshman quarterbacks that even had a start last year? And there was just so, like either they were kind of disappointing or yeah. they didn't have nearly enough starts for them to matter in CFF period, like Cave Clubnik near the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's hard, pe man. Pe people need people need to kind of understand that investing in the guys that are already in that room are going to be a better call, in my opinion, than trying to get the next hot name freshman quarterback. It's the same thing that happened with Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone. Um, well, I, I think. I think the issue with Joe Milton is too, is so many people are fixated on the fact that he ran the ball out of bounds to end the game instead mm -hmm. of throwing it into the end zone. Austin Nace has written Joe Milton off for the rest of his life because of that one play. I kid you not. So I think a lot of people fall into that category and, and I get it. Um, but you know what? He's a, he's a Josh Heupel quarterback um, and he's going to be your starter week one. Speaking of Josh Heupel's system, again, Squirrel White comes off here in the fifth round. Is this your number one wide receiver for Tennessee, Nate? Or are you thinking maybe more Brew McCoy? Or are you thinking, um, what's the other guy's name? I forget off the top of my well, head. Well, the, they got the transfer coming in yeah. from Oregon. Yeah, uh, Dante Thornton. But the, uh, who's, Thornton. The, who's the other one that's already there? Um, I don't uh, want to yeah. forget about him, but here I am forgetting about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But again, the uh, outside wide receivers my, seem to do well, so I'm kind of avoiding Brew because he seems to play more slot than anything else. No, Brew's an outside. Oh, Brew's Squirrel, outside? Squirrel's the slot. Squirrel's the one that's going to take Jalen Hyatt's spot. Okay, when, you're right. Whatever was late in the game, and they would sit Jalen. Whatever was late in the game, and they would sit Jalen Hyatt. It would be it would be Squirrel White that would come in uh, and catch the catch the the long ball from Joe Milton, and then in the bowl game when Hyatt sat out, it was Squirrel White that was the featured guy there. Um, I like Squirrel White the most out of the four contenders for Tennessee, and that's because he's the only one not contending 
in one of those boundary spots. He's yep. kind of got – he's already kind of locked up, and we saw that in the bowl game. He's kind of already locked up that starting role and isn't really – and that's the thing. In that offense, three uh, three wide receivers play, and that's it. That is it. And so if you got one of those guys locked up, then um, it's 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 worth some it's worth something in CFF. Uh, Keaton Keaton is the wide receiver I was uh, referring yes. to. Uh, that's yep. also still there from Tennessee. Again, don't underestimate guys who are program guys. It's not sure. al- don't always chase the hot new transfer or chase the hot new freshman. Um, other guys here, Devin Voison, uh, wide receiver out of South Alabama. Again, we've seen Jalen Wayne last year produce well for CFF. Um, do you think voice is the next guy up there South at South Alabama date, or have you not done yeah, would, research on him yet? No, no, he's, he did enough to end the season that I would have some pretty good confidence in him. He, he had a really strong, uh, last three or four games of the season. So yeah, I can see that he's like a, he's like a fifth year guy. No, no, no. He's, he's like a third year guy that, uh, has been in that system for a while. So yeah, I, I, I don't have any problems with it. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to round six here. Starts off with Samson Evans, running back out of East, Eastern Michigan, followed by Shador Sanders, the quarterback out of Colorado, followed by Brew McCoy, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. After that, you got Elijah Badger, the wide receiver out of Arizona State, followed by Caden Prescore, the tight end out of Ole Miss, coming in over from Memphis, the third tight end off the board here, followed by Sam Wigless, the wide receiver out of Ohio. After that, you got Bucky Irving, the running back out of Oregon. Evan Stewart, the running back, out, or running back, excuse me, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. After that, you got our fourth tight end off the board, Jatavian Sanders out of Texas, followed by Derwin Burgess, the wide receiver out of South Georgia Southern. And then you finish off the round with Riley Leonard, the quarterback out of Duke, and Luther Burden, the wide receiver out of Mizzou. Nate, what are your thoughts, positive and negative? Give it to us. Uh, let's go positive first. Uh, I absolutely love Sam Wigless at this spot. If we're assuming uh, Curtis Rourke, which uh, if we're assuming he's healthy, which by the way, we haven't seen him yet, which is amazing. Uh, he's he's a top 10 quarterback for me. Um, but if we're assuming he's healthy going into the season, uh, then it's totally wills up for Sam Wigless. We've seen what those two can do together. So absolutely. I, I love I love that value uh, right here. Um, cool with Samson Evans. Uh, he's proven that he, he, he can be very fantasy relevant. We're kind of getting into that spot here in the middle rounds where, uh, you just want guys that are, you know, are going to produce to, to some degree. Um, I don't know that there's anybody else that really stands out as, as, as like just incredible picks. I love Luther Burden at six, uh, 12 right here. He's somebody in my rankings, just the more I do research into the coaching chains there at, uh, at Missouri that I'm, I'm thinking he's a real stock up guy for me. Uh, I love the hire of, um, Kirby Moore, Kellen Moore's brother, uh, from Fresno state coming over to run that offense. So yeah. I, I like that quite a bit. Um, I probably like Jatavian Sanders uh, a fair amount more than Caden Prescorn. So it's kind of interesting that those two went in the same round. That one kind of stood out to me a little bit there. Those are, those are the things that, uh, that I liked about this round. Your thoughts? Uh, I agree with you. To me, this is just right for Jatavian Sanders right here towards the end of uh-huh. the sixth round. I think he is – I think – there's a tier between him and Keithy and Brock Bowers, but he's also that clear number three guy. I think those are the three top guys for the yep. most part. Great value here. Caden Prescorn, I have 
feeling, again, not going to be a very sticky value. He's going to drop into the rest of the tight ends whenever they go off in your drafts. Because I think whoever took them here forgot that Michael Trigg is still involved at Ole Miss. And again, Trigg sure. has his own off-the-field issues. Uh, but also, again, like they even without Trigg, they didn't really utilize the tight end last year like we were kind of expecting them to, especially with them not having great options at wide receiver throughout the year. So... I think he's definitely taken a little bit too high here. Again, I agree with him on Sam Wigless. If you assume Court Curtis Rourke is coming in, that's a great pick right there. Derwin Burgess, I think, is another really good pick here from Georgia Southern. Again, they're going to be throwing they're going to yeah. be throwing the ball forty times a game. He's pretty much the only wide receiver that of serious volume coming back from last year. He was injured to end the season. Clearly, one of the better guys that they have. I think he's a great value here in the six. Evan Stewart, if Jimbo Fisher is not lying to us and is being truthful about getting the ball thrown around a little bit more. Evan Stewart definitely should be a great value here. Once I don't really like here, or I'm not, I'm, I'm very unsure about Shador Sanders, quarterback out of Colorado. You're looking at again, like let's see, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's QB eleven off the mm -hmm. board here. I don't have him nearly that high. I think they're a much better quarterback options and nate i'm telling you right now if or anybody listening if you're not convinced this is a deep quarterback class by now the next round is absolutely going to convince you of it because the quarterbacks come off in round seven are insane but shador sanders comes off way too early for me here again i get it it's prime son and we're gonna and prime is gonna make sure that his kid gets all the touchdowns and make sure Never. that he he gets as much Nepotism is a powerful drug. I would say it's a powerful drug. Stat pads his son to oblivion. So I get it. But also, Colorado was bad last year. And they're going to be bad again this year. I don't care what people say. Dion's not going to get them up and running this year. I think this is way too risky of a pick here early on. What do you think, Nate? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's earlier than I probably would be comfortable taking him. Um, but at the same time, I... I also don't hate it. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of risk involved. He's not, this isn't a situation where he's just moving up a level from like Conference USA to the Pac-12. Like, um, what's his name? The uh, the Arizona Wire, Jake Cowing. You know, yeah. it's not that situation. It's not even a situation like Cam Ward, where he's moving up from uh, FCS to the FBS Pac-12 level. Because um, this is, he was at a lower level FCS program mm -hmm. at lower level division uh in that conference so there's a risk in that however i do love the offensive coordinator the play caller that they hired Sean lewis from kent state he's he's a good quarterback producer um and i don't mind the fact that they're gonna suck um you know what happens with teams that suck they play from behind and they throw the ball a lot and uh it could lead to volume for the quarterback again Riskier than I would take. Would I ask? Would I take Shador Sanders or Curtis Rourke? I'd take Rourke nine, ten times out of ten. But um, I, I get what maybe uh, this drafter is going for right here. Yeah. What do you think about Riley Leonard? He was a QB nine last year, and you're able to get him here in the sixth round. Yeah. What do you think about yeah. that, Nate? Uh, it seems like good value. He's somebody we've talked about. There, there's, there's a lot changing in college football. Not much has changed with him. He gets the same coordinator back. Uh, yep. He's got a lot of the same receiving threats back. Um, he's a he's a dual threat quarterback. So yeah, I mean that's it. Seems like a really solid value at this point. Yeah, I, I think he's a great and, option for if you want to grab a QB late. 
in terms of risk between him and Shador Sanders, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, I think we'll go ahead and get into round seven here. That way we don't go too long here. Starting off in round seven, Luke Latchy, the tight end out of Iowa, comes off the board, followed by Jordan Tyson, the wide receiver out of Colorado. And then we get a string of quarterbacks here. Brennan Armstrong, quarterback at NC State, comes off the board. Kyle McCord, quarterback out of Ohio State, comes off the board. Preston Stone, quarterback out of SMU. After that, you got Jordan Travis, quarterback out of Florida State. And then you finally have your boy Curtis Rourke there, Nate, at the 707. After that, back to wide receiver J. Michael Sturdivant, the transfer wide receiver to UCLA, coming in over from Cal. After that, you got LaQuint Allen, the running back out of Syracuse, followed by Jaden Ott, the running back out of Cal. And then you have another tight end, Mitchell Evans, uh, up, up and coming tight end out of Notre Dame. And then you finish off the round with a, another quarterback, John Rice Plumley, the quarterback out of UCF. Nate, what are your thoughts on this round? Well, uh, we we have a handful of quarterbacks here where we've talked about they, they don't have a ton of risk. If we're assuming Curtis Rourke is healthy, which I think we can, um, that's, man, that, that's probably my favorite pick of the whole draft. He's a top, I think he's a top seven quarterback for me. Getting him this late just seems like incredible value. Um, I like the, uh, you know, Brennan Armstrong, solid value going back to Robert Anae there. Jordan Travis, I mean, there's there's almost zero risk with him. Uh, this is a guy that has Heisman potential, and we're talking about getting him, uh, you know, as as what I'm guessing is maybe this drafter's QB two at this point. So uh, that seems nice. Um, I got to be honest with you. I this is the first time I've ever heard of Mitchell Evans. I don't know who this person is. Uh, if, <laughs> if, if you'd have told me he was uh, the tight end for uh, you know San Jose State, I would have said okay, sure. Uh, I, I would have had no idea. So. Uh, that guy, I don't know who he is, so I can't really comment, but I guess I will. Uh, I know that we got some really good drafters in this uh, in this mock, so I'll have to do my research on Mitchell Evans. Uh, Luke Lachey, man, uh, he is a, a descendant of 98 Degrees, Nick Lachey, the pop, the, the pop uh, singing band. So uh, you got to love that guy. I mean, why not? Iowa tight end who uh, comes from an incredible... Uh, uh pop star family so but no he's um i think if he if he's your if he's your tight you know we're kind of getting into the rounds where you're just kind of taking a shot on your tight ends now uh, yeah the first five or six have gone off the board so no no issues with that one uh as well yeah if you're gonna take a tight end this late might as well go for the iowa tight end again there's two good options at iowa this year so i think that's probably the only reason why you don't see Lachey higher in like the Jatavian Sanders range. Sure. But otherwise, I think it's a pretty good pick here. I'm not entirely sure if I'm ever going to pick Jordan Tyson this high. Again, obviously, Colorado, Sean Lewis, you're going to want to take a shot at those wide receivers. But I just have no clue if Jordan Tyson will be that guy for Colorado. Yeah. We'll see. I have a feeling they're not done in the transfer portal. Again, I adore this run of quarterbacks right here. If you're going to... If you're going to take a quarterback late, which several of the drafters in this draft didn't take a quarterback until this round, I can tell you that Brandon Armstrong, Jordan Travis, and John Rice Plumley were all QB1s for the teams that they drafted for. I feel like you're getting pretty solid value there, especially if you don't get one of those top-tier quarterbacks in the first round. Um, Jaden Ott, I feel like 
people are getting a little too freaked out by the running backs that they're bringing in through the transfer portal. I think no. odd. What was that? No, I don't think they are. I don't think they're getting freaked out enough. You don't think they're getting freaked out enough? Yeah. All right. No, let me I'll, hear. It. I'll, I'll I'll totally disagree with you. I I think that not only so not only do we have a coaching change with the offensive coordinator, it always worries me whenever we have an offensive coordinator because and then and then you have new guys enter the room because nobody's nobody's got that spot earned then and so that new guy that new that new staff member can think well i, I don't really i don't owe jaden ott anything um but i really like what i've seen out of byron cardwell so he's gonna be my guy um i i do think that the guys that they've added in that room are fairly talented um and I don't, I don't hate this value out of out of Jaden Knott, but I, but I just, yeah, I disagree. I do think that they're, if I'm a Jaden Knott owner, I'm, I'm kind of terrified right now. I, I, I think his stock has, uh, has kind of tanked, um, just by having those guys come into the room. It's one thing to have, like he's got both proven and talented guys coming in. Uh, Justin Williams is the talented one, and and Byron Cardwell, we've seen he's actually pretty good. So, um. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting uh, running back room there, Cal. All right. Uh, um, the other running back that came off in this round, Quint Allen, running back out of Syracuse. Again, 14 catches in the bowl game. Yeah, that was wild. Ob obviously, you can't just assume he's going to take over for Sean Tucker. You have an offensive coordinator change there at Syracuse as well. But a pretty good sign that he's going to be used both on the ground and through the air if he's going to get 14 catches in his one major start. He was a clear number two at Syracuse pretty much throughout all of last year right there behind Sean Tucker. So if they run any kind of system that's even remotely similar, I think you're getting a pretty good value here in the seventh round. Again, Sean Tucker finishes the uh, RB20 last year, and that was with him having some just weirdly just disappearing games like i don't think that was tucker's fault it's definitely more of their offensive game plan for the most part but if Allen does anything remotely similar i think you're getting a very good value here uh any other thoughts on any of these guys nate um no i think we've i think we've touched on most of them i'm still a preston stone believer so uh especially with mordecai moving on i think this is uh this is a nice spot for him yeah absolutely round eight uh, Nate, you'll like this round because there's a lot of Oklahoma players coming off the board here. <laughs> uh, we started off with Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback out of Oklahoma, followed by Reggie Brown, the wide receiver out of James Madison. Then we have our next UNC wide receiver coming off the board here in Kobe Pesor, followed by Daquan Finn, the quarterback out of Toledo. Then you got two running backs and Roman Hemby, the running back out of Maryland, and Treshawn Ward, the Kansas State running back now transferred over from Florida State. After that, you got Ryan O'Keefe, the wide receiver out of Boston College. Benjamin Urosek, the tight end out of Stanford. Followed that up with Jaleel Farouk, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Quarterback Jalen Daniels out of Kansas. And then you finish up the round with Javante Barnes, the running back out of Oklahoma. And then Michael Pratt, the quarterback out of Tulane. Nate, your thoughts, positive and negative here. Well, first off, Norman, stand up, man. What a what a great round for uh, for my Sooners. Um, the first thing that stands out to me is, man, I thought the last round for quarterbacks was great. And then you flip the page to this one, and I'm like, holy crap. Uh, I forgot Dylan Gabriel hasn't been drafted yet, or Daquan yep. Finn. Those, those are two guys that are inside my top 12. Uh, Pratt and, and, and Jalen Daniels are both knocking on the door as QB1s in my mind. Um, so, yeah, wow. 
quarterback is crazy deep yeah. uh, that we're getting this late and 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 uh, some really high level QBs are still coming off the board. Um, I think that's what stands out most to me about this round. Um, Treshawn Ward is interesting here. He's he's one we've discussed and and we'll probably see on my uh, pre spring stock up report. Uh, obviously, the you know I was looking at it. Did, did you know that Deuce Vaughn is second? in the country over the last two years in the most touches for any running back. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. It's insane they, for such a little guy. The amount of volume uh, he got is, is just incredible. Um, so that's a good fit. Um, Roman Hemby. We're still waiting to see what the Maryland offensive coordinator ends up being. So that could be either a really nice value or uh, maybe we don't love that one so much here, yep. here in the future. So um, those are kind of the ones that, that stand out to me. I, I just, I love the value of the quarterback room here. Also, Daquan Finn, we don't know. There's there's lots of talk as we're recording that Jason Candle is going to be the uh, the new Miami offensive coordinator. So I'd be mm -hmm. really curious because I do think he's kind of a, a system guy. I don't know, you know, that he's going to be the type that's going to thrive with just any any offensive coordinator. So I'll be curious to see if, if he does leave who the, who's the new staff there. Yeah. But, but that's kind of what stands out to me. I'm glad uh, I'm kind of agreeing with you on Finn there. I'm glad he's going in this range of QBs rather than like, again, he finished pretty high in terms of QB yeah. rankings last year. He was the QB. Where do you finish? QB 34. Uh, but again, really? Man, I thought he was even higher. I guess he did sit out a, a, a little bit there. Yeah. He, he missed, uh, he missed two games towards the end or yeah, yeah, three games towards the end. Um, yeah. So, but even still, um, I'm glad Finn's coming over here because it would be suck to see him drop because of a coaching change there. I think even if they do change coaches, this is still a pretty good value for him this late. Again, like you said, the quarterbacks in this round are also pretty incredible. And this is why I'm convinced that some quarterbacks are going to come from that top tier, move towards those kind of middle, third, fourth rounds. And some of these guys here in the seventh, eighth round range, I think they're going to move up just a little bit as the season goes on. There's going to be a little bit of a tier break coming in, which is some of these guys that are huge values here. People are going to want to hit that even earlier to have two strong quarterbacks going into the season. Yeah. Uh, other guys that stand out to be here again, Kobe Pesor. The wide receiver out of UNC. Devontae Walker goes off in the early third round. I understand he is a guy that can easily take over as the top wide receiver for UNC. But Kobe Pesor, like I said earlier, don't doubt the guys that have already been there, that don't have to learn a new system. They that and especially a guy like Kobe Pesor, who is somebody that flashed at times last year for the Tar Heels. Again, new offensive coordinator, so definitely some risk there. But I like I personally like his value here in the eighth a little bit more than I like Devontae Walker in the third. What do you think, Nate? Uh yeah, I I would probably disagree with you a little bit on that. I I Pesor is definitely somebody I'm going to be fading. Um I know that's probably not what, what a lot of people think out there. Uh I've I've heard a lot of Pesor uh love for the most part. My my concern is, you know, I've already mentioned it. The offensive coordinator, I think, is terrible hire. Um, I, I don't know that there's going to be enough room for more than one or two wide receivers to be really relevant. And the problem that Pesor has is, is that Nate McCollum, who they brought in from Georgia Tech, who I really like his skill set, mm -hmm. also plays that slot position. And so him and Pesor are going to be kind of fighting each other. Whereas I, I think the outside positions, the boundary spots with uh, with Green – 
uh, and Devontae Walker are kind of more settled. So my concern with Pesor is, is, is McCollum and are there enough balls to go around for four guys? So I'll say this again, Georgia was heavily involved in trying to recruit Nate McCollum when he went to the transfer for portal uh-huh. and they were recruiting him as an ex receiver. Okay. So there, I think there is a possibility that we see McCollum move towards the outside, kind of free okay. up some space for Pesor there. And then you have your three main guys pretty much right there, Rip yeah. Andre Green Jr. But yeah, I um, mean, if we start seeing that, that kind of talk out of spring, then, then that's something uh, I, I could definitely pivot and, and say that, okay, that Pesor is safe. And, and now we got to start looking at some of those boundary spots. Is there enough balls to go around there? Absolutely. Let's go ahead and hit up the last round here, Nate, and then we'll have a couple of questions here uh, at the very end to kind of recap everything. Round nine. First, you got a running back come off the board here, Marshawn Lloyd, the running back of the USC. And then you got a lot of tight ends come off in this round because a lot of people waited till the final round to grab their tight ends. RJ Maryland, the tight end out of SMU. Mason Taylor, the tight end out of LSU. Uh, Nate McCollum, we were just talking about him. Wide receiver out of UNC comes off here. Jamal Banks, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Then you have Grayson McCall, the quarterback out of Coastal Carolina. Then more tight ends. Colson Lutvlin, the tight end out of Michigan. Uh, after that, you got a quarterback in Jaden Delora out of Arizona. Then you got Tanner Koizel, the tight end out of Ball State, followed by Jalen Conyers, the tight end out of Arizona State. Then you finish up the draft with Tavian Robinson, the wide receiver out of Kentucky. And then Mr. Irrelevant for this draft is Mr. Sedu Traore, the tight end out of Colorado. I am pretty sure I butchered that last name heavily there. No, but, I think you got it. Oh, perfect. Nate, your thoughts on this final round again? Obviously, probably don't yeah. see this many tight ends go off in the ninth round. You probably see people wait a little bit later. But because it was the final round, a lot of people were kind of forced to do that. But your thoughts on some of the guys coming off here? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that stand out, uh, kind of the same discussion we had on Pesor, uh, you know, kind of carries over here with Nate McCollum uh, being drafted just a, a handful of spots later. Um, interestingly enough, well, let me talk on, on the tight ends first, since we did have a tight end run here. Uh, I like this RJ Maryland and Mason Taylor pick. I, I think both those guys are um, are definitely worthy of being within the, the top 12 ranked tight ends there. Um and then Sedu Traore, uh, he's, we've talked about him. While I don't love the fact that he's transferred, I, I kind of just wish he would have stayed at Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's still kind of borderline top five tight end for me. So to get him as as tight end 12 here, uh, seems like pretty good value in my mind. Um, Utah wanted him. I trust that staff when they want a, a particular tight end. There's not really anybody else that's better at evaluating tight ends than Utah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's a really good player. Um, and like I said, they're going to be down a lot. They're going to have to pass the ball. He's one of their more proven pass catchers. Uh, the thing that stands out the most to me, though, is probably this Kentucky running back or wide receiver situation. Uh, I haven't seen Barry and Brown come off He did off not the get board. drafted. So um, just kind of an interesting, I mean, obviously this is one of the last picks in in the draft with Tavion Robinson, but uh, I think there's definitely a debate that could be had between those two as to which guy would be the one to own um, in that uh, Cohen, uh, you know, wide receiver room. So that's, that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Josh brought that up in his portion of the way too early special last week. And I very much agree with him. It is an interesting debate because 
Wando Robinson, who played the slot when Cohen was there last time, was the wide receiver 16 in CFF during that year, uh-huh. 2021. Yeah. Davian Robinson plays that exact same slot position. And I agree with you. Barry and Brown, I would say, is probably the more talented receiver. Mm-hmm. But two things here. One, Cohen specifically named Tavian Robinson by name in his press conferences about it as a player that he's excited to utilize. And okay. then two, Devin Leary favored Thayer Thomas when he was at NC State. Where did Thayer Thomas play? The slot. Yeah. So a lot of things kind of go in Tavian Robinson's way. And it is kind of just another chalk up to system play for CFF over talent. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of system play, uh, it's the reason why I like this Jamal Banks uh, draft pick right here uh, at the 905 uh, wide receiver for Wake Forest. Um, we saw that he uh, kind of came into his own last year. And um, and obviously, even though we're losing Sam Hartman there, uh, it is a plug and play system. Yep. And uh, and they, they will be fine at quarterback and A.T. Perry moves on. So I really like Jamal Banks in this spot. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you a lot there. Again, I agree with you on a lot of things here. I was a little sour on Sadu Traore uh, a little bit going to Colorado. I wasn't willing to put him very high. But again, a lot of things are kind of going his way. Colorado hasn't really brought in any wow receivers, in my opinion, at least from the transfer portal. Again, maybe they like the guys that they have there already, but they do definitely, I think it's the best one they brought in so far. And he'll be one of their better pass catcher options. And like I said, they'll be down a lot. So I'm warming mm-hmm. up to him a lot more than I was a couple of months ago. RJ Maryland, Mason Taylor, I agree with you, are both great. Trying to look at guys that you haven't talked about here. Again, two more solid quarterbacks here in the ninth round. Really just kind of sh- going to show even more just how deep this quarterback class is. Uh, Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd's kind of a boomer yes. bust pick here. Um, you know, if if he, if he secures that RB1 spot there for Lincoln... Yep. Which I think he 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 has that uh, the ability to do so. Um, then his his value his return on on your investment is going to be much higher than the where he was taking taken here. If that ends up being somewhat of a split backfield, then uh, you're you're probably not loving that pick. So uh, boom yeah. or bust. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, it 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 wholly depends on how you feel about Austin Jones because Austin Jones is coming back. Uh, he's not going off to the draft like some people thought he was going to, especially with two pretty decent. Uh, performances near the end of the season anybody else i want to touch on here again just solid tight ends all around nothing crazy perfect range for some of these guys if you're waiting on a late tight end that being said i think that pretty much brings us to the end of the draft nate i'm gonna ask you again i know you probably don't have like a list in front of you about who was drafted who wasn't but anybody you can think of off the top of your head that you were kind of surprised you didn't see go off in the first nine rounds here yeah, I, I actually wrote down a few names that I kept looking for them to come off the board, and I did not see them. Uh, two quarterbacks that stood out, and obviously, we're only only twenty four quarterbacks were taken. That was kind of yeah. within the the parameters of the draft here. So, um, but two that I certainly have within my top twenty four. Uh, number one, Malik Hornsby, uh, who has yep. transferred from Arkansas to Texas State, just an incredibly dynamic uh, runner. He has G.J. Kinney as his coach now, who comes over from uh, Incarnate Word. For those of you that don't know, I, I mean, G.J. Kinney's been around. I, I, I drafted him in fantasy whenever he was a quarterback. Uh, uh, so, and, and he put up incredible numbers. But uh, that's one that stood out. Um, Donovan Smith for Houston, who yep. was transferred from Texas Tech. Like I said, I trust uh, Dana Holgerson wide receivers. I also trust his quarterbacks. And we saw that with uh, Clayton Toon last year. 
Uh, he put up some monster games. So those two stood out to me. Um, running back wise. Well, hold on. Matt, Matt, throw yeah. some quarterbacks yes. out there. Uh, first of all, I agree with you on both of your guys. Uh, Malik Hornsby, I think, is going to be a great third option for anybody drafting in CFF. I think because I think there's a little bit of risk. We don't know he's going to be the starter. We kind of know he's going to be the starter, but we don't know that he's going to be the starter. Um, again, oh, we've, if... se we, we've seen great CFF systems that we think are going to hit off in year one, fall flat, and then it takes you until year two for them really to get going. So I can understand a little bit of the hesitancy there. But uh, I, if... I also fully agree with you on um, Donovan Smith as well at Houston. I think this can be a great one. Real quick, go ahead about Malik. Just... I was just going to say, if you're in a draft with me, you will not get Malik Hornsby as your third <laughs> option. I can, I can assure you of that. Uh, two quarterbacks Who that else? Yeah. stuck out to me in terms of guys. Uh, two, first of all, two top 30 options in KJ Jefferson and Cameron mm. Rising, both coming back. Yeah. Uh, obviously, KJ Jefferson's system's changing a little bit, but we both agree that Dan Enos probably is going to keep that offensive system running over there for yeah. Arkansas. He, he should be fine. And then Jaden Daniels. He didn't come off in this draft at all, no. No. and he was the quarterback 11 in last year. Now, again, I get it on some level. We're afraid that Nussmeyer might overtake him. I personally am hesitant on that idea. I think they're, they're kind of playing it up in order to keep Nussmeyer from transferring because the moment that they say that Jaden Daniels is coming back for another year and he's going to be the starter, Nussmeyer's hightailing it out of there. No. I think if, if it was clearly or I think if there was any risk to Jaden Daniels not having the job next year, he would not have come back for another year. He would have just gone off to the draft after leading LSU to an SEC West division title. I personally think I'm not as afraid, but clearly I am hesitant enough that I didn't take him in this draft. Um, Nate, your thoughts on that? And then give me some running backs that you were surprised didn't come off. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some some other good QBs that that, like I said, when there's only 24 taken, only so many can can fit in here. But uh, yeah, there's there's the Nussmeyer, um, the Nussmeyer hype is, uh, I guess, is real because uh, it's it's pushing Dan Daniel's value down, his stock down quite a bit. Um, right. Running running backs that that stood out to me, I just I wrote down a couple of names here, where some guys like we talked about that that are kind of proven guys. In a world where we're not much, where everything's so uncertain, uh, Ontario Brown uh, for Northern Illinois. We saw a mass exodus of the rest of that backfield at Northern Illinois, so that's kind of interesting that he wasn't taken. Uh, I think his abilities there, um, and then one of the sneaky, really nice producers last year was Michael Wiley at um, at Arizona. He was going to be one that I brought up. Yeah, so he, he wasn't taken, and he's kind of the guy that I'd, I would definitely put in that bucket of, okay, we kind of know what we're going to get from him. We saw him do it for an entire year, and he, he had a strong season. So those were those were two that kind of stood out to me. I'll say real quick on Ontario Brown, I kind of mentioned this in the Slack when you brought him up last time, that I really am afraid that NIU is a lot like uh, UL, Lafayette, or just Louisiana, where no matter how talented we think a number one guy is, like Chris Smith was last year, yeah, they're gonna find other bodies to split that bot that body of work up. I know that there was a max mass exodus, but they brought uh, Gavin Johnson from Iowa. Williams. Gavin, Gavin Williams. Williams, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, they brought Gavin Williams over from Iowa. They're always gonna have some decent options that they're gonna hand the ball off to that are just kind of walk ons or just kind of lower tier guys. Yeah, I'm just not ready to buy in until I see a true number one guy at NIU. 
Um, Michael Wiley, I, like I said, I agree with you on that one. Other one, Jalen White, the oh, yeah. running back out of Georgia Southern. He didn't come off the board here. And he was a guy that was, if I remember correctly, got as high. He started off the season uh, really good and got as high pretty much as... Well, he got as high as QB 10 by week three, but then he kind of dropped a little bit. But even late into the season, week eight, he was RB 14 on the year. And then he dropped off as he got injured, missed some games and everything like that. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm i surprised that he wasn't taken. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I often forget about him. Uh, also, one more quarterback I uh, probably should throw out there real quick. Uh, Mitch Griffiths, quarterback out of Wake Forest. Another, another system yeah, player right there. Yeah, that's that's a good system play. He's not gonna. He's definitely not gonna crack my top twenty four. But um, probably not. But yeah, he's but he's he's gonna be very consistent. All right, Nate, give me some wide receivers that you were surprised you didn't see come off the board here. I, I had written down a couple, but they they kind of got taken there towards the end. Uh, we'd already mentioned Barry and Brown um, was kind of interesting. Uh, Justin Lockhart is the one that probably stood out the most to me. Yep, uh, love with, Justin. Yeah, with uh, Cooks, uh, Elijah Cooks moving on, um, you you have to think that he's going to be the go-to guy, and they still um, bring back the same staff, the same quarterback, so a lot of yep. things are aligning for him to have a nice season. Uh, a couple wide receivers that surprised me. One, Terrell Vaughn, the wide receiver out of Utah State. Like, it's still Blake Anderson's system over there. Yeah, it was a bit of a mess last year because of the quarterback situation. They tried to roll out the decomposing body of Logan Bonner uh, throughout several of the games. Finally just gave up, threw Cooper Lega out there for a while. It took him a while for the system to get going, but we still saw them have that number one wide receiver in Bryant Cobbs, and there's a clear number two guy, Terrell Vaughn. I think that he is set up to be in line for that number one option next year. Again, it mostly it's been outside guys for Blake Anderson throughout his history, but we have seen a slot guy appear every once in a while, and again, Terrell Vaughn strikes me as separating himself a little bit there. So I was kind of surprised I didn't see him go. And then the Alabama wide receiver situation. Yeah, I was just Jermaine, about to say Ja'Cory Brooks. Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine and Burton. Jermaine Burton, yeah. Either yeah. one of those guys. I'm surprised nobody took a shot on either one. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I would probably take Brooks first. It's it's close. I actually think Jermaine, Jermaine Burton could have a, a pretty nice season. He, he was... He wasn't bad at times, especially towards down the stretch yeah. uh, at the end of the season. So uh, and we know the talents there. So, yeah, I, I imagine both those guys kind of move up as drafts get going. I currently have Burton at wide receiver 20 and Brooks at wide receiver 23. So I agree with you. They're, okay. very, they're very close in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably a little bit higher than where I would have both of them. But um, but I, I think that's I'm, I'm not far behind you. Yeah. And then Isaiah Bond, I have a little bit further down, but I like Isaiah Bond a lot. So. Um, and then do you want to go through some tight ends that you were surprised didn't go through or nah? I mean, we're only taking one tight end. So exactly. your top, your top 12, it's, you know, you're drafting in January. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, knock it too much. If yeah. anybody gets left off, I, I just got to do my research on, um, what was his name? Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Evans, e Evans. Okay. Or, so uh, yeah, wait, no, what's Mitchell Evans? Yes. Mitchell Evans. Sorry. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing, Nate. Based on what you have seen here today, just kind of thinking back on the overall draft, what strategy will you be employing kind of going forward? Like, which positions would you hit on earlier? Which ones would you kind of hit later? What do you think? Um, 
I mean, kind of, kind of what we discussed early in the draft. Um, wide receiver, a lot of uncertainty after maybe those first, you know, ten or so. Uh, so I, I would love to be able to be in a draft where I get a couple of those first ten and feel confident about my wide receiver room, knowing that I'm going to be able to get some quarterbacks later on and even potentially some running backs later on that I'm still going to feel okay about. So that that would probably be my biggest takeaway is uh, trying to shore up that uh, that wide receiver room first. I, I'm still the type that's just, you know, I'm going to take best available pretty much no matter what, mm-hmm. but that's still going to stick in the back of my mind. Um, how am I looking at wide receiver after the first couple of rounds? Because uh, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty after that. So I will wait. This is C to C ADP. My bad. Um, I'll throw this out to you real quick, Nate. And this is something that again John Lobb brought up during his segment last year because he says he understands the drive to want to hit wide receiver early. I am one of them. But he point he was quick to point out that last year, top wide receivers: Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Xavier Worthy, Cedric Tillman. Josh Downs, Miles Price. We felt very similar last year. That is like a lot of great top options at wide receiver. And then things fell off. So you wanted to hit those wide receivers early maybe. But a lot of those guys end up being busts. So are we concerned about that at all this year? No, I mean, a lot of those guys you mentioned were injury busts. True. Um, So I I, I don't know how much um, I would would totally take away from that. Um, But... um, yeah, it's just like I said. I, I me, I'm going into every draft taking best available. Um, I'm not going to be swayed too much by uh, by depth and, and stuff like that. It's just going to stick in the back of my mind. Um, it just seems a little top heavy with some of the wide receivers. All righty, I think that will pretty much finish us up here. Going right about an hour and a half, so very very nice here. Nate, I know you got a ton of great projects coming up here with some of the articles you'll be releasing in the next couple of weeks. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of teaser as to what those will involve? Sure, yeah. So I, I really have two two different sets of articles coming out. One uh, is, is more data-based and taking a look at historical um, trends of coaching staffs and analyzing each one, uh, conference by conference, each one of the offensive coaching changes that have taken place and um, and given a breakdown of kind of what that's looked like and especially over the last three years specifically and how they've how, how those trends have gone. And, and really it's more just objective data I'm throwing out there and it's on the, the reader to then take that information and use it how they feel necessary going into their drafts. Don't really give a whole lot of uh, opinion-based stuff on that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, same thing I did last year, a total opinion-based uh, uh, set of articles, which is my pre-spring stock up and stock down report, um, which we've alluded to a couple of times. And that's, you know, Guys that I think, whether it be uh, changes in coaching staff, um, guys that have left for the draft, transfer situations, all of that taken into account, and how does that impact them uh, from from where we may have viewed them as the season ended back in uh, you know November and December up till now? Yeah. So that's what I got coming out. Look for those in the next uh, starting to roll out here in the next couple of weeks of these freaking programs would figure out their offensive coordinators nick saban and freaking mario cristobal if you guys could get it together then these uh these coordinator hey, jobs would be locked hey, up Sa- saban saban's got his job done yeah. now notre dame's got to figure out their their situation 
I know. We all knew that, that Bill O'Brien was going to be gone weeks ago. Why, I don't know why he waited. I don't to, know why he waited so long either. That made, that made nice zero sense. He was trying sense. to make sure he had a job lined up, I guess, first when we know he was kindly asked to go find another job. But uh, and it, it, was the, it was the job that we all expected him to take pretty much when the season ended. Right. It was, it's so weird. Anyway, uh, yeah. Nate's got incredible stuff coming out for you guys, so keep an eye out, out for that on campusagain.com. And we may or may not be basing a couple episodes of CTN in the next coming, coming weeks on some of those articles, so be on the lookout for all of that. Again, check out everything else on campusagain.com. Make sure you keep following us here on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared at Chase and the Natty for the pod account. All that great stuff. Oh, and at CFF Nate, of course. I have to make sure that Nate gets some love as well. I'm a generous guy like that. Really appreciate you guys listening. Again, the season's just getting started officially really deep into the 2020 season, or 2023 season, excuse me. Really appreciate you guys, and I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed day.